could turn there, Philippians chapter number one this evening. And I had a good meeting at Hope um, and continue to pray for that ministry. And uh, just praise the Lord for God's word having answers. Amen. And uh, so got a good number next door with the kids. So pray for all of them. Got quite a few traveling and uh, uh, coming back into town this weekend. So pray for their safety and uh, just pray for a few that uh, I know talked to this afternoon, not feeling well, uh, but um, but it's good to be in God's house. Amen. And uh, thank the Lord for 33 out knocking doors last night. So that was a blessing. And uh, that's really exciting. Hope you'll join us. If you didn't get to go, come join us next week. And uh, actually, not next week. Oh, yeah, we're having it next week. Yeah, we're still having it. Yeah. Even though I was thinking we had camp, but we're still, we still go out on Sunday. So, yeah. So, yes, please come. All right. And, um, but I'll uh, have a great time next week as well. And, and doing what God called us to do. So uh, we're looking at, uh, again, um, our theme is uh, ironing out some issues without spot or wrinkle uh, on Thursday night. We've been looking at some doctrine. We're looking at the church. And um, we are uh, talked about the pastor last week. And uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse number 1, says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Um, we're going to, in this verse, you have both of the biblical offices of the church mentioned here, that of bishops, which we know is to be pastors, uh, uh, but also deacons. Um, so we want to talk about the deacon tonight. And uh, just looking again at what the Bible says about the deacon, um, the word deacon itself is uh, the word um, in the, in the Greek, diakonos, but it means a servant, uh, means a minister, or one who executes the commands of another. Um, we always, we know, we talked about last week that a pastor is a under-shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd, amen. And, uh, and with deacons, um, I can say that uh, just as Jesus is the chief shepherd, he's also, if you give me the uh, liberty here, he's also the chief deacon, and uh, you say, why is that? Well, look over in Matthew chapter number 20, and uh, see what I mean by that. Because um, the same words used here in Matthew chapter number 20 and in verse number 28. Matthew 20 and verse number 28. It says here, Matthew 20 and verse 28, it says, Even as the Son of Man, as Jesus, came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That word minister is the same word. Um, he came to serve. Um, and he, he did so with his life. And he really gave the perfect example of servant, a servant leader. But the word deacon means to serve. Um, and so I just want to look at a few things about the deacon tonight. Um, just to keep in mind as a church. Um, also us to be praying about and um, say more about that in a minute but uh, but a deacon let's look at first of all what the role of a deacon is the role of a deacon now the pastor is to be the leader uh, a deacon in the word of God is a servant a pastor will focus on ministering to the spiritual things a deacon uh, more the temporal things that he will attend to there's an idea in our independent Baptist churches, unfortunately, that is not biblical, that, uh, that deacons are the ones that rule the church, they control the church, uh, they control the money, the finances, they control the pastor, um, and uh, anything that happens has to go through the deacons. 
That is not in the Bible. All right, that's not what the Bible teaches about a deacon. All right, um, we deacons are there to serve. Another passage, we'll get back to it. Look in Acts chapter number six. In Acts chapter number six, and in verse number uh, two, it talks about these who we believe to be uh, the calling of deacons. There's some debate on that, but uh, uh, but the reason why we believe these to be the the calling and the, the electing of deacons is because uh, there was, in verse number one, murmuring that we talked about. Some needs were being neglected. In verse number two, then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve. And there's that same word uh, where we get deacon, tables. Um, and so they're, they're, they're a servant, right? Uh, they're there to serve the church, uh, to meet the needs of the people. Um, and to help uh, those who need help. Um, again, a pastor's, obviously, pastors were doing this. All right? It's not that a pastor's above this. All right? uh, they were doing it, but the church had grown to a point where the pastor couldn't do it all. And so he needed some help so that they, because they were being pulled away from the Word of God and, uh, and the, the prayer and the study that needed to be there um, to, to feed the flock. So there were some temporal needs that needed to be met. So a, a deacon, the role of a deacon is to be a servant. Now, what are the requirements to be a deacon? Uh, turn over to 1 Timothy in chapter 3. If you want to put something in Acts 6, we'll, we shall return. Uh, but uh, in 1 Timothy chapter number 3, what are the requirements? We looked at all the different qualifications last week for a pastor. Uh, but what are the requirements for a deacon? Um, there are, in this passage of Scripture, nine requirements that are given for a man to be a deacon. Um, so we want to look at these as Paul, in this passage, is giving Timothy some instructions for the church there at uh, Ephesus. And, um, and so he, he refers to the deacon here. In 1 Timothy chapter number 3, we read verses 1 through 7 about the pastor last week. Verse number 8 says this, likewise, important word, all right, likewise. Must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lugar, uh, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved, and let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless, even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well, for they, they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree, and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So what are the requirements here to be a deacon? You know, we just, they're not drawn out of a hat and say, well, these guys would probably be a good job, right? There are some biblical requirements that must be met, all right? Uh, these are not suggestions. These are qualifications, all right? And so what are they? All right, well, the first one that we see here uh, in verse number eight is they must be grave. Uh, likewise, must the deacons be grave, the word grave means serious-minded, uh, honorable, dignified, uh, mature. Um, someone who is mature in the faith, uh, that knows how to carry themselves. Um, and again, I don't think that is not necessarily an age thing. Right? That is a spiritual maturity thing. Right? Um, Say, so can a 29-year-old be a deacon? Absolutely. Right? Um, 
Timothy was a very young man, but was doing things for the Lord because he was spiritually mature. Um, you know, I know some 60-year-olds that aren't spiritually mature to be, right? It isn't just an age. Well, they're 65. They can be a deacon. Uh, no, it's a, it's a spiritual issue that they understand the gravity of what the work of the ministry is, that they take it seriously, that it isn't a game. And unfortunately, our nation is eat up, and it's happening in our churches that men just see life as a game. And they're just playing through life. I love having a good time like anybody else. I love laughing. I love joking. But the work of the Lord is serious and not to be taken lightly. And we don't, we don't play games with people's souls and people's lives. And, uh, and so, you know, these things are serious. And a deacon should be someone who is grave. They're, they're serious-minded. They understand the ministry and what they're getting involved in and have treated that with that attitude already. Number two, they're not to be double-tongued uh, there in verse number eight, not double-tongued. Uh, that means they're a person of integrity. They don't speak out of, like you will, both sides of the mouth. Um, they, um, they don't say one thing to one person and another thing to someone else. Um, they, they are not a deceiver with their words. Uh, another way of saying this, they're not hypocritical. Uh, they don't, as Paul warned against, speak with flattering lips. Um, they, they can't be too diplomatic to where they just want to keep everybody happy. Um, they need to speak the truth in love and not just go around saying things that make people, you know, you know, feel whatever, proud of themselves or approved. Um, they can't speak double-tongued, saying things just because they want a desired response. I think you get the idea. They just can't. They need to be men of integrity, men who say the truth. They speak it in love, and even if it's hard to hear, if it's right, they'll say it. Um, but in a compassionate way, the person knows that they love them. And, uh, but uh, they can't be double-tongued, um, spreading gossip. And causing divisions and listening to this side of the church, but then telling this side of the church another story. And yeah. it's, um, praise the Lord, we don't see those things at our church. Thank the Lord for that. Yeah. Uh, but it can happen. And uh, the devil loves to accuse. You know, every church I've ever been in, you know, there's always people to say, well, you know how it is at this church. And they always say, well, this church gossips. No. This, what I like to think about, and, and not that we're not above gossiping. Have we ever been guilty of gossip? Probably every one of us. Nod your head, yes. Straighten your halos, all right? All right. Uh, you know, we, it's not right, all right? And hopefully that's not something we do, all right? But most of the people that love to accuse a church of being a gossiping church is usually because they're involved in something and they don't like that it's found out a bunch of gossipers. Well, maybe if you just got right with God, you wouldn't have to worry about it. Amen? And that's pretty simple, right? Yeah. You know, but, you know, but uh, this, this, this attitude of not being double-tongued is very important, right? Uh, not grave, not double-tongued. Number three, they're not to be given there in verse number eight, not to be given to much wine, all right? Uh, they're not to be drunkards. Um, they're 
again, this is not a loophole to have a little bit of wine, right? The word likewise is very important, right? How much wine was a pastor to participate in? Zero, right? Uh, nor is a deacon, right? Likewise, this deacon, uh, I like looking at that phrase, not given to much wine, uh, as referring to as much as the, the pastor's allowed to have, right? How much is the pastor allowed to have? None. How much is the deacon? Should he be? None. All right? I can just say this based upon the word of God, all right? And we can, I could go, I could, I have preached. If you want to go on the website, you can find it, right? Uh, but, you know, what, in, in, in these days, all right, that term wine in the Bible, Jesus did not turn water into some alcoholic beverage. All right? The word wine is used uh, uh, for just the, the fruit of the vine. Um, it can also be used at times. You just read the context. It doesn't take a Bible scholar to figure it out. Uh, because there are zero contradictions in the Word of God. If there was, then we have nothing to go on. Right? There are no contradictions in the Word of God. Uh, and, and so you read the context. You see what it's saying. If there is a curse to those who would put strong drink to their neighbor's lips, obviously Christ did not do that, right? Um, and so, uh, there, again, the Bible even tells us not to even look at it when it's in the cup, right? Uh, everything you read in the Word of God, right, about alcohol and drunkenness, right, it leads to destruction every time. Every time. And so, as believers... We stay away from it, all right? Have no part in it. You say, well, can I be a social drinker? Not and follow the word of God. Amen. Just you stay away from it, all right? Um, now, I, there's a whole sermon I preached uh, that we did a big study on it. And uh, I think it's like the third longest sermon I ever preached. So, you know, it's a long one. Uh, but uh, but it, it teaches, all right? We, we studied it out. And so I hope that maybe you take the time if you have questions about that or just sit down. We'll talk about it. We'll do a Bible study on it, right? Uh, but the bottom line is this. We're to stay away from alcohol, all right? And, um, and so here in this passage, they're not to be given to much wine, all right? They're not to be drunkards, all right? They're not to have this in their life and um, just likewise as a pastor, all right? But not given to much wine. Number four, not greedy of filthy lucre. Uh, not greedy of filthy lucre uh, there in verse number eight. Um, what is that? Um, again, likewise as the pastor, but um, they're not to be in it for the money. They're not to be driven by a love of money. A love of money is, again, the root of all evil. Uh, but what are deacons being called to do? To serve. All right? And even in Acts chapter six, they're going to be helping the widows that are in need. These are widows, obviously, to a biblical definition. They don't have family that's able to take care of them. Because um, if they did have family, the family biblically is supposed to take care of them, right? Uh, but uh, they, they were widows in need. And uh, so they, they would go and they would minister them, uh, which probably meant, in 2023 terms, they needed to buy some groceries at times, maybe needed to fix something, all right? Whatever the need was that they needed help in, uh, they would do that. And that would require funds, all right, that would require the handling of funds. Um, and, uh, and so that would come with the territory. Uh, I've, I've even thought, um, this, is, this is a, I always preface these statements. These, this is just a Travis Berg thought. This isn't doctrine. Right? Somebody argues, okay, you're good. Right? We'll, but 
I, I, I wonder if these that were chosen to be deacons were also, um, if you will, they, they lived the gospel and they were taken care of by the gospel, that the church helped meet their needs because it was, you know, a task that they had to do a lot. And it, they, it had been hard to work a full-time job and do these things. And that thus the requirement not to be greedy. You don't become a deacon because you want to make, a, make money. Right. I mean, that's what we said about the pastor, right? He's in it for the money. You shouldn't be up there, right? right? And, uh, but a, a deacon in the same way, that you can't be driven by a love of money, and, um, and that's not why he's serving, right? Not greedy of filthy lucre. Number five, there in verse number nine, holding the mystery of the faith and pure conscience. Um, a deacon should be someone who is doctrinally sound. Um, it starts with salvation. We'll come back here, look back in Romans uh, chapter number 16. Again, I'm going to re- re- reread this, all right? Um, it says there in verse number 9, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. In Romans chapter number 16 and um, verse number 25, Romans 16, 25, it says, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment uh, of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Um, over in Ephesians, as we're heading back towards Timothy, Ephesians chapter number 3. Look at this passage real quick. Ephesians chapter number 3, and in verse number 8. Ephesians 3 and verse number 8 says, Unto me, who am less, Ephesians 3 verse 8 Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now, back in the text, it says, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Someone who's to be a deacon should be holding to sound doctrine um, and that it's known by the church that they hold the sound doctrine obviously that starts with salvation uh, but it means grounded in the faith Um, again with a pure conscience they don't doubt it they know it's true they know how to share that truth these mysteries as it says that was hidden from the beginning of the world um, you know the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he came, uh, it was prophesied he would come. And then he started in his earthly ministry, the church. All right? That started with the Lord. From the beginning, that was foreign. All right? Uh, but the local church and all the Lord's churches that he started, all right? And all that consists with the local church. The doctrine and what we're going over on Thursday nights, you know, the doctrine of the church and and the offices and the government and, and the commission and all that we'll be looking at, uh, but also, uh, you know, unto him be glory in the church, uh, the holiness that we've already talked about this year, uh, and all the, the, the second coming, the rapture, all these things in the Bible referred to uh, as being mysteries because they, they were kept until the Lord started the church. And then they've been shared and taught by the Lord and upon the foundation of the apostles and, and then committed to faithful men. Um, but... Um, you know, these things, doctrine, 
the deacon should be sound in doctrine um, and be able to share that and express that in a pure conscience that it's true, they have no doubt, and they, they know the word of God, they know how to use the word of God, and they're trustworthy when sharing the word of God. If, uh, you know, so-and-so is getting up and you're not sure whether he's going to be teaching sound doctrine or not, then he has no business being considered being a deacon. There should be a confidence in this man that he is true to the word of God. All right? Number six, the sixth thing there in verse number 10, all right, he is to be proved or proven. All right? uh, he's to be deemed worthy. Uh, in other words, he has lived it. All right? uh, they're not a novice. They, they've proven this. And I think that is what Acts chapter number 6 and verse number 3, um, when it says, when the pastors got up and they said, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out of, uh, among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. All right? So these men had a testimony. Uh, these are not, you know, so-and-so who just joined the church last week. So-and-so just got saved a couple weeks ago and they got baptized. Uh, that's not deacon material. These are people that are proving themselves to not just be doctrinally sound, but in their life sound, in their way of life, in their manner of life, uh, that it is evident that the Holy Spirit leads their life. There's wisdom there, all right? And uh, they, they, they are living a life in front of others that is proven. Uh, number seven, the seventh one uh, qualification or uh, requirement here in First Timothy, uh, number seven is that they're blameless. Uh, again, it says in verse number 10, uh, they be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Again, just likewise a pastor. It doesn't mean they're perfect, right? There's no such thing as a perfect human being until we get to glory. Right? People are going to make mistakes. People are going to, um, unfortunately, I hate it. We should strive not to, but uh, there will be mistakes and sin. And, um, but a man that's right with the Lord will seek, and when he does err, to get right with God. And, and uh, that is the expectation from God. Remember, Psalm says that. May our expectations be from him. Um, the only expectation that we can have of each other is God's expectation that he has, that we will fail. Uh, but we can get right. And uh, so not making an easy road for people to do wrong, but the bottom line, that word blameless doesn't mean perfect. What it means is this, that they're not guilty. Um, in other words, they're involved in sin, and they're not getting right. Uh, just like a pastor. Um, you know, I may say that Brother Ricky comes up and, me and him get in a heated argument, and it becomes very heated, and, uh, and I say, oh, you're such an idiot, right? That would be wrong. That would be, I'll go and say it, that would be a sin, right? Because you shouldn't speak that way. That's not speaking truth in love, right? Um, and I would need to get right with him and get right with God, right? And uh, that doesn't disqualify me from being a pastor. That showed that I was human and that God convicted me and I got right with God, right? But blameless would be this, that I don't care what I said to him. I'm glad I said it. I heard him. Who cares? I did the same to Brother Napier. I did the same to Brother Fountain. I did the same to Brother Jeff. 
and I got an anger problem and an attitude problem and I don't, people try to approach me and I'm just going to bite their head off, I am not blameless. I need to get that right. Or commit some crime and, and I don't want to get it right and I refuse to. I'm not innocent. And I'm living and choosing to live in sin. They're not blameless. And they need to get right with God. A deacon in the same way. Number eight, deacon must be the husband uh, or should be the husband of one wife. Uh, it says there, um, what verse am I at there? Lost it. Uh, verse number 11, even so must the wives be grave. Verse number 12, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. Um, they, again, as we said, likewise with the pastor. Uh, if a man's going to serve in the office of a deacon, well, number one, it's a man. Right, because only men can be husbands of one wife. No matter what the world may tell you, Amen. that's the truth. Right, uh, so it's man. But just like the pastor, um, if a man has been married, divorced, and remarried, he now has had two wives uh, and cannot serve in the office of a deacon. As I said last week, it doesn't mean they can't serve God. They can't get right with God and do things for the Lord. But God's requirement is clear. And uh, they cannot serve in the office of a deacon. Someone asked me last week after church, well, what if the previous wife died? And now he's had two wives. Paul makes that very clear on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that when a spouse passes away, they are freed from that bondage. Sorry, that's the word he used. Right? Uh, but they're freed from that, all right? And uh, they're free to remarry then, all right? And uh, so uh, that is... Death is, is, is uh, liberty then to remarry according to the word of God. Uh, but the husband of one wife is very clear. And, uh, and so they, if a man's to be a deacon, uh, they um, should not have been divorced and remarried. Uh, some have asked, does that mean that a deacon has to be married? And I know this has been a debate in the past. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe that is a requirement. Um, and again, may differ on that, and uh, I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, but, uh, but I really don't, because you'd have to hold the same qualification there about they must then have children. And some people, God doesn't bless with children, right. and that's God's right. will, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? And uh, someone doesn't have a child doesn't mean they can't serve as a pastor or deacon. Right. That's just right. that thinking doesn't work, right? And in the same way, uh, the qualification here, I believe, is not that they have to be married. The qualification is that they've only been married once. And, uh, and so, um, again, the husband of one wife. And then also in verse number 12, uh, the ninth thing, he must rule his house well. Uh, it says there that the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. Um, their wives should have confidence in their husband. And submitted to the husband and showing reverence to the husband. Um, the children um, should be under control. Um, understand this. A pastor's children. Pastor's children, not a pastor. A pastor's children and deacon's children doesn't mean their children are ever going to make mistakes. Right? It's that, that when they do, they're being handled. They're being disciplined. They're being taught. They're being corrected. And um, it's... Eli's great accusation was that he restrained not his children. And um, 
And if a man, be it a pastor or a deacon, and their children are running every which way in their household, and they're doing nothing about it, then that pastor would be and deacon unqualified. Uh, they should be ruling their own house well. And uh, that means situations won't arise. They will. But when they do, they will handle them biblically. And they will direct their home and teach their home in what is right. But they will rule their own houses well. And we talked about that last week with the pastor, so we'll, we'll scoot on along. But before we go over to the other passage, look at verse number 11. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Interesting that a deacon's wife is given qualifications. Uh, that if a man is married, that his wife must meet these qualifications. And they are again listed there that they would be grave. That means serious-minded, understanding the seriousness of the ministry. Um, they're not slanderers. They're not pulling people down, talking bad about others, gossiping about people, and seeking to pull and destroy their lives and testimony. Uh, sober. Uh, there in verse number 11, that means they control their thoughts. Uh, their feelings and emotions aren't controlling them, but they are controlling their own thoughts. And then it says faithful in all things. Um, and again, it says likewise. So I think a, obviously a pastor's wife should show these things. But uh, it's, it's kind of highlighted and pulled out under a deacon's wife. And uh, you know, I've, I've often thought about that and uh, why... Paul did that, and the Holy Spirit had him do that. Um, but I, I think that one of the reasons is because um, a, this is just Travis Burke's commentary, right? Uh, but uh, that a deacon, obviously, in Acts chapter number 6, is going to be spending a lot of time with Acts 6. The widows, right? Ministering to these tables. And a man better have a, a wife that is grave and sober and not a slanderer and faithful in all things to understand the role and having to do these things and and uh, and I and I think there's a reason there in that uh, but it is given and should be adhered to uh, in Acts chapter number six go back there I got a few more qualifications uh, for a deacon that we see here in Acts chapter number six and I do lean that this was the calling of and um, of deacons here because of that word serve they were to serve in, in this way uh, but we also find these qualifications in Acts chapter 6 and verse number 3 it says wherefore brethren look ye out among you seven men of honest report and they need to have a good testimony um, not just in the church but outside the church uh, they should have an honest report that uh, uh, again their life backs up what they say in the preaching but an honest report, and then full of the Holy Ghost. Uh, you got all the Holy Ghost the moment you got saved. I don't need to, you know, like some people, I've read in a book one time, one preacher said you draw a circle in a room and sit in that room until you get all the Holy Spirit. That's not in the Bible, right? Uh, you got the Holy Ghost when you got saved. Uh, he indwells you, you're sealed to the day of redemption. The only question is how much of you does the Holy Ghost have control of? And, uh, and it, that's why in my prayer life, which I shared before, part on my prayer list is that I want to surrender myself to the Holy Spirit of God daily. I want him to be in control of my life. And, uh, and so we, a person that is to be a deacon is full of the Holy Ghost. Their life ex 
exemplifies Holy Ghost control in their life. And then also, number 12, the 12th uh, requirement is they're full of wisdom, all right? Full of wisdom uh, there in verse number 3, uh, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Um, in other words, they know how to work with people. They know how to make decisions, and that's proven. Uh, they know how to handle situations wisely, all right? There will be a, a spirit of wisdom there. And obviously that comes with Holy Ghost control, all right? Uh, but they exemplify that wisdom. Uh, so we see the role of a deacon and the requirements for a deacon. Uh, thirdly, the recognizing of a deacon. The recognizing of a deacon. In Acts chapter number 6, where we're at, I just want to point out a few things, and I promise we'll wrap this up quick, right? Number one, in the recognizing of a deacon, um, I want to point this out, that I, I believe that they are elected, all right, or chosen by the church when required. Verse number two says, Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Um, there is a need and a, 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 uh, a necessity for help. Um, they had a church before this. <laughs> All right? And, um, and Timothy wasn't left and Titus wasn't left to ordain elders and deacons. Uh, a church needs a pastor, all right, to be organized and, 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 to, and to do what God called it to do. But there will come a time when the pastor recognizes that he needs help. And, uh, and then deacons will be called. And uh, here in this first selection, it was, uh, there was an elect, elected when it was required. In other words, you don't just have deacons just to have deacons. Um, I, my grandpa's in heaven, my grandpa Burke, right? Um, I remember I went to his church one time, and, and uh, they had about, I looked on, remember those little boards? Some churches have them they have on the wall. It shows how many was there this week, last week, and the offerings. And, and, uh, and, uh, and so they, they ran like 18, 19, which is great. Amen. All right? Uh, but uh, they had 12 deacons. <laughs> I, just, I thought that was hilarious. All right, yeah, all right. And, uh, you know, uh, they, they, everybody, you know, hey, we'll make you a deacon. Uh, you know, and, um, you know, did you, did you need 12 deacons running 30 people? No, right? Uh, you know, but it's not my business. But, but my point is this, all right, you don't have them just because, you know, yeah, let's just have deacons. I, I believe they should be elected when required, when there's a need, all right? Uh, number two, they're elected when called by the pastor. Um, again, in this passage, the pastor knows when he needs the help. And uh, I believe the Lord will lead that, lay it upon the pastor's light, uh, heart. Then verse number two, when the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them. All right, the pastors called the church and said, we need some help. And, uh, and so that timing, all right, you don't just have deacons just to have them. There should be a need for that. And the pastor should lead in sharing that with the church. Uh, number three, uh, they should be elected only if they're qualified. All right? If there was no one qualified, then you don't elect deacons. Only if they're qualified. Again, in this passage of Scripture, then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men, and then they give qualifications. Now, the pastors did not tell the church who 
to assign to this point, but what they were to be looking for. And, uh, and so only qualified people should serve as a deacon. So they should be elected when required, elected uh, when called by a pastor, elected only if qualified, and then number four, they should be elected from within the church. He said there in verse number three, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you. You don't bring in outside people to be deacons, right? They should be people within the church, which means that a pastor should be teaching and, and, and people should be growing so they can serve in these. Right? If you've got to be sound in the faith, that means you've learned the faith. And so, uh, and so there's a requirement there for the pastor to be teaching, uh, but uh, they should be elected within the church. And, uh, and the church should pray when that need is there and to look around them and look for these qualifications. And then they are elected by the church. And in verse number 5, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, that's the church, and they chose. And it lists the men that were chosen. All right, the church chose that. All right, they were elected by the church. The church did the choosing. Um, so they're elected when required, elected when called by the pastor, elected only if qualified, elected within the church, and they're elected by the church. And I want to encourage the church in the days ahead, right, that, uh, you know, if we follow that as we should follow that, all right, and that, that comes and the, you know, the church is asked to pray about um, adding a deacon, uh, that the church should pray about it, church should seek the Lord and and, uh, and, and call names before the Lord. And then the church should then share names for people to be prayed about. Um, now, there may be something in someone's life that they would say, you know, I can't. And they don't have to explain. But any, any man can say, I'm not going to serve. I can't serve in this capacity. And that's fine. All right? Um, but a man shouldn't just say when the church says, We'd like you to pray about being a deacon. A man shouldn't say, I don't want to do that. No, you need to pray about it. If the church prayed and sought that, you should at least pray about that. Amen? Y'all didn't amen that. That's what they did. That's what they did, right? You know, let's know what other churches do. That's what they did in the Bible, right? And so it should be prayed about, right? I uh, I just I've heard it many times. Oh, I don't I don't want to do that. Well, if the church has prayed and you're qualified and you're the name that God laid upon their heart, you should pray about it. Right. Right. Amen. Right? That was awesome. I can tell you love that. Right? But right that because that's the pattern. We either believe the word of God or we don't. Right. All right. So we follow the pattern. All right. Now there may be a reason they can't, and we're not going to interrogate. Why aren't you? Right? No. Right. I, that, that's between them and the Lord. Uh, but it should be prayed about. That's all I'm saying. All right? and, and you should call that out before the Lord. But number six, in the recognize of a deacon, they're under the direction of the pastor. Amen. A deacon's under the direction of a pastor. Um, and uh, In other words, they're, they're not elected by the church to run the church. And this is not a, again, I told you last week, I don't enjoy preaching at my church about the pastor because talking about yourself, right? Uh, but it is what the Word of God says, so I say it unashamedly, because that's what the Bible says, right? The deacons aren't elected to run the church. The deacons are under the direction of the pastor. 
Verse number three, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of uh, honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. The pastor directed the business of the deacons. Amen. Amen? That's what it says, right? Uh, so the pastor directed that. And they're there to serve, right? And, uh, but uh, uh, there is the reward of the deacon, which we'll finish with here, right? Uh, keep a market there. Go back to 1 Timothy 3. All right, there is the reward of the deacon. So we saw the, uh, the role of a deacon and the requirements for a deacon and the recognizing of a deacon and now the reward um, for a deacon or of a deacon. Uh, but 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and in verse number 13, all right, it says this, For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. When biblically there is the electing and the given a position of a deacon, it is an honor for that man to serve as a deacon. It's an honor. Um, for they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree. The word good degree means it's, 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 a, it's a, a position of reverence, a position of honor. And uh, that's why, you know, at our flagpole, we have the names listed of those who served as pastors and deacons. And we thank the Lord for them. And um, those that have served and used the office of a deacon well, it's an honorable thing. And those people should be, again, we're not worshiping man. Preach against that here. Uh, we don't, uh, you, know, you know, lift them up on some high plane. But God does say to give honor to whom honor is due. And those who have served and done the office of a deacon well, there's a good degree there. And it is a position of honor. And should you serve as a deacon, right, that is an honorable position. And uh, so it's an, a place of honor. Also, it is a place of heralding uh, there in that verse. Uh, to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Someone who's elected as a deacon, someone obviously with all these qualifications, that their life is going to speak of the greatness and the goodness of God. Their life should be one that just points people to give God the glory. And their life should be a testimony of how great our God is. And that will not only affect the church, but it also will affect the community around us. And, uh, and I'll show you that. Go back to Acts chapter number 6. All right? Keeping these thoughts in mind. It's a position of honor and heralding. Their life will speak of the goodness and the glory of God. Uh, a third reward for a deacon is number three. All right? They will be a help to the church. They will be a help. In verse number 1 of Acts 6, In those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily, daily ministration. Um, there were those who were, unfortunately, feeling neglected. And, um, and these men that were chosen were able to be a great help to the pastor, a great help to the helpless, the hurting, they were able to be a blessing to the church. It encouraged the hearts. Encouraged the hearts of those who were needy. It encouraged the heart of the church to see that, you know, if you will, our shut-ins are being helped and ministered to and encouraged. It, uh, it, it encouraged 
you know, uh, the, the life of uh, young people who are watching to see that, you know, serving God is awesome. It helped lay the pathway for the future. But it was a great help to the church. There's honor, heralding, a help, and then there was a harvest. Look at verse number 7. After the deacons were placed in their position by the church, verse number 7, and the word of God increased. There was a maturity in the church. The deacon, in, in doing the uh, ministration that he was called to do by the church, it helped to bring maturity. Say, how did a deacon help the church right, with the word of God being increased in their life? But you have to go back to the first. Why were deacons chosen? To serve the table so that the pastors could what? Spend more time in the word. If they're spending more time in the word, they're able to give more to the people. And so because the deacons fulfilled their role, the pastors were able to give more to their people. And the church, the word of God increased. Right? And so you see the maturing of the church. And then you see the multiplying of the church. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. I mean, not only did people get saved in the community. Why? Because the deacons were out knocking doors. Well, I'm sure they were because they were faithful men. But they were able to take care of, the, of the, those that had needs, which encouraged everybody in the church and encouraged the young crowd to say, man, this is awesome. I want to do this too. And uh, the church is encouraged. The shut-ins are encouraged. And the pastor's giving more to the church. They're growing in their knowledge of the Lord. The word of God's increased in their life, which makes them mature in the faith, want to share that with other people. And all of a sudden, you have an active, growing, lively church founded on the word of God and the people are getting saved even those who are staunchly against the church are starting to come to a realization of their need of salvation right isn't that awesome all right so you you see the maturing of the church and the multiplying of the church and then there were miracles among the church and Stephen full of faith and power did great wonders and miracles among the people now we're not going to have healings and things if we have deacons. Right? We know all those things are done away with. Uh, we have that which is perfect. But what I am saying is this. God began to move in great ways. Right. Unbelievable ways. And I want to be part of a church like that. Where people are growing in the Lord. People are getting saved and baptized and added. And God is just doing amazing things. And this is all associated with the calling of a deacon. Because the pastor was getting a little run down and pulled away. There's so many things to do. And it's God designed it to help the church. Not just to be, you know, the gopher for the pastor but to be a huge blessing to the church. And if a man is qualified and the church would call that person to serve as a deacon, that should be an honor. And what a position to be able to serve God in. Not something to run from or be neglect. You know, oh, I don't want to do that. It should be a great blessing. So we're getting there. And please, church, be praying about the Lord's will in this area.
because I believe it not only would be a, a blessing, you know, to to me, but to you and to the church and to our community, if we do things biblically. It's not just some guy to control where the money's been. Run the church, make the decision. It's someone who will bless the church in an amazing way, when done biblically. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we love you, and we thank you, God, for the teachings of the Word of God. Lord, this office of a deacon. Lord, help us to, Lord, again, hide these things in our heart, and study and to meditate on these things. And I pray we as a church would pray together. Lord, that uh, might, Lord, follow your direction and the Holy Spirit's leading.